The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Views Room. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, the financial commentary arm of Reuters News, coming to you from Zurich, Switzerland. This week, I talk about vaccine carrots and sticks with our Asia editor, Jeff Goldfarb. Jeff is based in Melbourne, which has gone into a second week of a snap lockdown as it scrambles to rein in a highly contagious variant of COVID-19, which was first detected in India. This week, he wrote a column examining how companies and governments around the world are rolling out a growing list of creative perks to spur sluggish immunization rates. But someday soon, Jeff says, rewards for the uninoculated will need to give way to harsher measures to get the sort of herd immunity they need to fully reopen their economies. After that, I spoke with Dasha Afanasieva in London about indulgences, not the papal kind, but the sweet treats offered by Krispy Kreme. The donut chain, now owned by European investment group JAB, is returning to the stock market and seeking what Dasha considers to be a gut-busting valuation. Her conclusion, to borrow from the godfather, is to take the donuts, leave the securities. Give a listen. Jeff, you wrote a piece this week that looked at all the carrots that are being wielded by governments around the world to try to get uh, hesitant people to get vaccinations. This seems to be a global phenomenon. You you talk about some Australian examples because you're in Australia, but it goes way beyond that, no? Yeah, it's. I mean, the list is getting pretty long, and and the creativity keeps growing. Um, yeah, the the one that caught my eye here was uh, Qantas. The CEO of Qantas, Alan Joyce, went on TV and said that they were getting ready to roll out some frequent flyer miles and um, some free trips, and then they were also going to have like ten mega prizes, like you know, unlimited travel for a whole year for a family. Um, and then there's some other things that have been happening in, in the region out here in the Asia Pacific region. You know, Hong Kong just threw out there that uh, some top bankers would be able to uh, uh, fly in and out of the city without quarantining for 21 days if they've been vaccinated. And, you know, all of this has been spurred like all over the place, right? I mean, the United States kicked kicked some of this off with some lotteries, state lotteries. Ohio did its Vaximillion lottery. And, and the, the thing is, they're working. It seems like they're getting people to go out and get vaccinated, which is obviously the most important thing. Of course, I keep wondering if I got vaccinated too quickly. So I missed out on all this stuff, like the free, you wrote about a, the free beer, for instance. Yeah, so my old home state of New Jersey, uh, a bunch of brewers got together and came up with the clever shot in a beer tag. So if you had your shot, you can go get a free beer. And um, there was also one that was a joints for jabs campaign. That were... <laughs> yeah. yeah, DC, uh, a group that was trying to get everyone uh, vaccinated, where they've just passed, you know, uh, legalized recreational marijuana, they decided, uh, hey, go get yourself vaccinated and uh, get yourself a doobie. So right, right. jabbed and bake. <laughs> it, but, but I mean, there's a there's a there's a really important point to this is just until we have the kind of something close to herd immunity, which is what, like two thirds or more of the people either having had the, the virus or gotten the vaccines. But really, all of these opening ups are still carry some risk. Yeah, I mean, look, the vaccination rate, I mean, some places have been doing great. Right. Israel, UK, United States is is you know um, after a, a pretty rocky start with the, the the virus has really ramped up the vaccination rate but you know where i am in australia you're at two percent 
of people fully vaccinated right now, which is like just disastrous and pathetic. Uh, part of it is, is it, but that's not because of that's not because people are vax hesitant, is it? Or is it just because there is they haven't been had the same urgency? So, there isn't the same urgency, although, you know, we've had a, a fresh outbreak of um, 50 plus cases in Melbourne where I am. And that has all of a sudden people are like, oh, maybe I should go get vaccinated. And so people are being spurred. Yes, the low case rate has been a, a big uh, sort of factor in why people aren't going out. But there's also, I mean, part of the problem in Australia is also that um, they've only, they right now they only have two vaccines. They have the AstraZeneca and they have the Pfizer. And obviously people have been concerned about the blood clots with the AstraZeneca, and that's all that's available for people who are over 50. And I think people have been hesitant. I think they've been, you know, even though the statistically, uh, obviously you're more in danger of dying from COVID than you are from a, from the blood clot risk. People are freaked out about it. And I think it's been stopping people. You have a way bigger chance of dying of COVID. It is quite interesting. I mean, I suppose, you know, the fact that uh, that Australia, and you saw this in a few other places, I'm sure, Singapore and other South Korea and other places that were so good at tamping down the infection rates early on, in some ways, now they're lagging behind uh, some of the rest of the developed world, which, of course, like the United States or Italy or other countries that went through extraordinary losses of life, but are now at least moving on and moving forward with vaccinating the people and moving back to traveling and all those kinds of things. I, you worry that, do you worry that you're being left behind there in Melbourne, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think, look, one of the, there's another factor too, which is of course that one of the reasons Australia has done so well is that it closed the borders, right? People can't get in or out. So that's a good way to contain the virus and stop citizens from dying, which is great. But now there becomes like an economic toll from that, um, which is starting to kick in. And then you have, and then you have the vaccination kind of uh, passiveness, I guess is what I'd say, which is why you've got Qantas sort of like starting this initiative to try and drum up interest. Uh, we had the CEO of one of the big banks, uh, Peter King went out and said, hey, we've all got to kick in and figure out ways to incentivize people to go get um, vaccinated. So yeah, the corporate community seems to be more concerned and worried about it than the government is right now. It's a weird irony, right? Like the, the, the countries that did seem to have weathered it pretty well, just haven't had the urgency to go out and, and, and get the herd immunity through vaccination. So it's a, a weird double-edged sword. But now let's just, we talked about the carrots. Of course, at some point they'll have to be sticks. That's how this works, right? At some point you've exhausted enough of the, the j joints for jabs or jabs for joints, the free beer, the uh, vaccinillion lottery tickets. And at some point you say, enough, you're not getting vaccinated. And I think the, the Israelis have started to do this more than others because they've gone to a point where they're almost at herd immunity, where you say, if you don't get, have the vaccination, you, they're just things you're not going to be able to do. How far are we away from that in certain countries? I, I think I mean, we're, you're starting to see little signs of it, right? Um, there will be concerts, there will be, who knows where it will go to. I mean, part of the problem with this is you need to figure out how you prove it, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I know there's these vaccine passport ideas that if uh, New York State, I think, has rolled one out. Uh, well, yeah, they have a thing called the Excelsior Pass, which uh, which I got because they, they have a record of if you've gotten vaccinated in the state of New York, and I was able to get one. that. I guess I can get into Yankee Stadium without having to produce other documentation. 
Is it on your phone or is it like a piece of paper? Yeah, what is it? Also, actually, of course, being an old guy, I printed it out as well. But um, but it is it's both, and it it has a six month. I think it had a six month validity. Maybe that gets extended depending on how the the vaccines play out. But and I was looking recently at buying tickets. I'll be in New York in a couple of weeks for to Yankee Stadium, and there were there was indeed sort of the you can buy tickets for those who are vaccinated can be in a sort of I don't know better seats. I'm not sure it's better seats, but you don't have to observe the same rules. And so I guess you can drink beer freely without a mask on. I mean, of course, I mean, it's more about like, right. So those fun things will be, you know, those those sorts of sticks will incentivize some people. The bigger ones are going to be like the workplace, right? What happens when your company says you can't come into the office unless you're vaccinated? And that has happened. And, uh, you know, U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission basically put out guidelines uh, recently that said, you as an employer, you know, with certain exceptions, obviously, um, for for various health reasons or whatever, but you, you know, you can mandate that people be vaccinated, and that we've already got a lawsuit on the back of that. Of right? course, of course. So, we'll see that against their civil liberties and that kind of thing. And that I think in Europe, that's going to be a bit tougher to get rules like that across. From what I've been, you know, people have been telling me, but it does seem it does seem like that's the next battleground. Is the, you're getting back to the office, and if your if your employer requires you to go back, but you have a, a problem with the vaccine, that's going to be a, there's going to be a real sort of question around freedoms. No. Yeah, we've had a preview of what what that looks like, right? I mean, just when we asked people to wear masks, right? Look at what happened to supermarket workers and people at Target were assaulted because you know people felt the need. So if you're going to fight over like having to wear a mask, imagine. When you're being told you have to go get a vaccine to like start moving around society right i mean it's yeah. going to be it's going to get ugly i mean it, it will have to but as you say i mean i think as you all the carrots will bring a big rush of people to get vaccinated but you know then you're going to get so you're going to stall out at that 50 60 percent level maybe and that's where you're going to have to really start like clubbing people yeah. and saying look we got to get there I think Anthony Fauci was saying uh, in an interview yesterday or this week that he expects about 15% of the U.S. population will just never get a vaccination or just is completely against it. So, well, that's the 15% I won't see at Bleacher's uh, Yankee Stadium, I guess. Well, thanks, Jeff. Good luck with the lockdown there in Melbourne um, and talk to you soon. Thanks. Dasha, it sounds like you have been going down the donut hole, as it were, and trying to figure out whether or not investors should pony up their hard-earned money to buy shares in Krispy Kreme, the sweet treat maker of the United States that is being spun off by a European holding company. So I think your answer is not so fast. Not so fast. And I think that would be... um... I think that the, the people uh, wanting to IPO it, uh, i.e. JOB is taking it public, I think that they are going a little bit fast because the company isn't necessarily ready. They took it over five years ago. They've been buying up franchises um, that, you know, in the past have, have had problems. On the one hand, that's really good because it means that they have more control over quality and over the product. But on the other hand, it's been expensive. They spent sort of half a billion dollars on doing it since 2018. And I don't think it's necessarily the case that that strategy has demonstratively paid off. Just step back. So, so the, the big family, this family, the Ryman family, which owns JAB, which is explain that that's like this vast holding company that 
that has a bunch of different businesses, a lot of consumer product stuff like this, right? It does. And last year they did a coffee IPO, which uh, which you know did really well in aftermarket, tra- aftermarket trading because we're all sort of drinking coffee at home rather than in cafes. And a lot of its business was domestic coffee. Um, it owns JDE, and that's JDE. Uh, it also owns Pret-a-Manger, uh, which has done less well uh, during the pandemic. But essentially, um, yeah, it's this huge sort of grown into this consumer goods, cafe, um, refreshments portfolio. Um, and, and we're, you know, we're beginning to see how some of those decisions uh, have gone, uh, namely with Krispy Kreme. I talked to one of the JAB executives and they, they were kind of talking about their portfolio and they, they, they called, we, I was thinking, oh, well, it's like Pete's Coffee or, you know, JD, Egbert's, whatever. And they're like, no, no, we call this like they had like a special. What was it called? Like like it was like uh, the the vice vice part of their portfolio or something. Well, here, yeah, with Krispy Kreme, the buzzword is indulgences. Indulgences. Um, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, and it's and and that's what Krispy Kreme is all about because it's unashamedly indulgent. It doesn't pretend to sort of you know not be calorific and sweet. Uh, they talk about kind of having a vegan version, etc. But on the whole, you know, these are things that contain calories and they're treats that a lot of their customers would only have sort of a couple of times a year, or maybe three times a year. And that's fine. There's room for that. But unfortunately, public markets have been turning away from those kinds of businesses. And you see companies like Nestle putting in a lot of effort to try and make uh, a lower proportion of their portfolio be these kind of, you know, sugary, um, calorific treats. And these guys are just like, the hell with it. We're going to sell you a Reese's classic dough. I'm looking at the website and I'm getting hungry. Or it's literally, <laughs> a, it's like a stuffed donut stuff with some sort of peanut butter confection and chocolate, Oreo cookies and cream, cake batter, glaze. I mean, this is, this is just looking at this is getting me, um, like putting me into a sugar high. Absolutely. And they are completely unapologetic about their places and indulgence, um, which which is great. Maybe, you know, if they weren't, then we'd be here criticising and paying lip service to the health trend. Uh, but it's also not, not necessarily what's in vogue right now. All right. But now, now the question is whether shareholders are going to feel as indulgent, as it were, um, as as some of these customers of the Reese's Classic Donut. By the way, it's filled with Reese's peanut butter cream dipped in Hershey's chocolate icing, topped with mini peanut butter chips and a drizzle of chocolate and Reese's peanut butter sauce. Okay, but so so that that, that sort of you know that and the calories. There's, so the most basic donut. So we're not even getting into that. Is 200 calories, and I think more. Um, sort of more dramatically, more than 40% of your maximum recommended daily sugar intake. So that's, that's quite a lot. Um, oh, well, let's let's not be too puritanical. We've just <laughs> been a, a global pandemic, but okay, let's go to this. Let's go to the numbers. What did you find when you looked at the, uh, the, the prospectus for this IPO? Well, Bloomberg reckons uh, the uh, the family that's selling it, the Ryman family, is seeking possibly a four billion dollar valuation. Um, and given that uh, it's um, it's EBITDA, and that's adjusted EBITDA because you know it's adjusted for all these one-off costs that they they uh, uh, 
um, had because, you know, because of uh, acquiring these franchises, uh, you get to around 26 times 2020 adjusted EBITDA. And that's roughly in line with Starbucks, which is fine, but Starbucks is a very different business. You know, it's coffee, it's bigger branches, etc. If you compare it to Hershey, which is in this in this indulgence space uh, and is sort of criticized for being unhealthy, uh, that trades at around 18 times EBITDA. So that's that makes the four billion valuation look rather pricey. Um, but you know, it's it's true that the thing is the company had eight percent organic growth in the first quarter of 2021. And that does actually look really impressive, especially when you know people are commuting less, even though a lot of its shops are open. Uh, but you sort of want there to be another few quarters of this kind of impressive growth for, for mm. one to be totally convinced that giving up this franchise model and um, you know going at it through this, they're also doing multi-channel, like you can order donuts online. You sort of want another few quarters to be super convinced um, that it's it's a real goer. Right, right. Okay, which is why your your conclusion is that sweet toothed investors may be tempted to take the donut and leave the stock. And I guess that's a reference to the uh, leave the gun, take the cannoli from The Godfather. Is it not? Absolutely. That's exactly it. <laughs> well, I'll take the donut and I'll take the cannoli and I'll leave the stock and the gun. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Rob. That's our show for the week. Thanks to our producer, Freddie Joyner in New York. Our final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get high-quality podcasts. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com. Avita Sun.